0: Not Sam wrestling Introducing your host from New York here is Sam Roberts Here we go Whether it feels like it or not it is truly the most magical time of the year whether it feels like it or not the most important time to be a wrestling fan, all year is upon us. The most magical wrestling weekend of the year is here for 2020. Whether it feels like it or not, it is here. And I have one goal today. One simple goal. To bring back that love and feeling. To make you feel it again. I've been working on it. It's been a personal goal of my own, to bring that feeling back to me, and now that I think I have, I'm going to bring it back to you. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, a very, very special Thursday edition of Not Sam Wrestling for everybody. Thursday, Not Sam Thursday, generally reserved strictly for the Not Sam Shills, the wonderful folks who are members of of patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. We do this every week just for them. But today, no, today, this is too important. So today, this special bonus podcast goes out to all of the world. Everybody gets to bear witness to Not Sam Wrestling Presents the March to WrestleMania 36. And yes, the title March to WrestleMania is a direct ripoff of the WWE's show that they used to run. I think they definitely did it. I think the March to WrestleMania before WrestleMania nine and the March to WrestleMania before WrestleMania 10 are both on the WWE network. It would be these specials that they would put on a few days, usually before WrestleMania. It would be in 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 lieu of a go home show. It would be like a super show. You know, this was the era when you would see mainly enhancement talent matches on TV so what WWE would do every now and then, they would do the March to WrestleMania. They would do the Summer Slam Sizzler Sizzle Down. I don't know what they would do for Summer Slam. But for, for the big pay-per-views, the Survivor Series Showdown, I believe they did it one year. Uh, they would put on uh, these super shows where it wouldn't just be enhancement talent matches. It wouldn't be pay-per-view matches. But you'd see, like, Bret the Hitman Hart versus Rick the Model Martel before Bret Hart's match with, say, Shawn Michaels in, like, you know, 92, right? Because Bret Hart versus Rick the Model Martel, while it wasn't a big blow-off to a rivalry, it was, you know, a, a, a superstar bad guy versus a superstar good guy, and that wasn't something you saw on TV all the time. So I always got excited about those. I always got excited about the March to WrestleMania shows, and I hope that just calling this the March to WrestleMania will start to make you feel excited again. Look, I know. I've had a unique week. I've had a very, very exciting week. To be able to do the uh, color commentary for NXT uh, on Wednesday uh, this week was a dream come true. Um, I saw the overwhelmingly positive response to all of my opinions, and I was flabbergasted and humbled. Do you believe... Not one negative thing was said about me uh, doing commentary on NXT this week. Not one. It's amazing, but I really, really appreciate it. Look, I was uh, beyond excited to do that with Tom Phillips this week. Um, Hopefully, I'll get the chance to do it again sometime. Because it was awesome to be able to call those matches. I'm sitting here calling, doing the color commentary on my favorite wrestling show on TV. On a show that's full of great matches. Velveteen Dream and Bobby Fish. I mean, the triple threat match. I'm I'm doing commentary on the triple threat match. Between Keith Lee, Dominic Dijakovic. And Damian Priest. And I didn't even call him Damian Archer once. I mean, anybody that thinks that I sucked on commentary on NXT should have heard me calling him Damian Archer for an entire podcast one week. Apparently, you guys don't do your homework uh but I, I thought you know the the show was was so much fun uh to do the the commentary for to do it with Tom Phillips he made it very very easy for me um we did it in uh stanford connecticut so i didn't have to travel to orlando while all uh, while all this was going on i don't live too far away from stanford um and yeah it was just uh it was amazing and then you know to be sitting there Trending on Twitter. Look, I don't, please don't tell anybody this. Like, don't let people who don't like me know because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But like, when I see myself in the top ten of North American Twitter trends worldwide, sometimes, like, I love it. I mean, to me, that's like better than pornography. I adore when that happens. So, you know, and again, please don't tell anybody that because I don't want to dissuade anybody from saying horrible, nasty things on Twitter because if they stop saying it, then I won't be trending anymore. But I guess if I can't have a building full of NXT fans booing me, the next best thing is for them to do it online. So I appreciate all of of that. And uh, yeah, man, it was awesome. And I'm looking forward to next week's NXT. Uh, You know, Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, the Blackheart versus the Lionheart, Chris Jericho, one last beat. It's not Chris Jericho, I understand. One last beat, the Black Heart versus the Rebel Heart. Then that six woman ladder match, my God. The six woman ladder match, which will mean even more after WrestleMania. So this is why we're here today. This is why this podcast is being made available to everyone. Because we're going into WrestleMania weekend. Again, whether it feels like it or not, we're going in. This is it. This is WrestleMania weekend. And I think any wrestling fan right now owes it not to each other, to themselves, to not be cynical about this thing. Is it possible that it sucks? Yeah. Yeah. But guess what? WrestleMania 13, except for one match sucked, and that was in an arena. So, you know, there have been WrestleManias that sucked before, even in arenas. However, there's a lot to be optimistic about on this show. There's a lot to be optimistic about at WrestleMania 36 this year. And you have to imagine, look, aside from NXT, WWE has not been doing long shows of wrestling in empty buildings. Raw and SmackDown have not had more than like one match at a time in that empty building. You've got promos, you've got uh, uh, archive stuff to help mix it up. I have to imagine that with two shows, for a WrestleMania that is absolutely I mean WWE is first of all WWE is bringing back promoting pay-per-view for the first time in years. They're trying to 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 encourage people to start buying on pay-per-view again, which I think we're probably going to see more and more of. I can only imagine like it's not happening by mistake, right? So they're bringing back this concept of of buying this two-night extravaganza on pay-per-view for 30 bucks a night, which realistically, I would have to imagine that WrestleMania is going to be at least 3 hours a night if not more. So you're talking about you know a pay per view price. The, I mean it was I it was thirty bucks when I was ten years old. Now, it's not thirty bucks for most of us because we got the network. It's ten bucks for WrestleMania and then all hours of all days. It's it's ten bucks for WrestleMania and then also literally as we're talking, I'm watching WrestleMania 19 on mute in the background and watching Hulk Hogan versus Vince McMahon. So you know it doesn't affect most of us, but I'm just saying. For what it is. I get the disappointment going in, right? I get the disappointment of not having our proper WrestleMania weekend. I have been in attendance at every WrestleMania since 29. The first WrestleMania that I saw live was WrestleMania 20 at Madison Square Garden. The one after that that I saw was WrestleMania 24 in Orlando. That one was so much fun to be at live. That was... um, uh, Rick Flair versus Shawn Michaels, obviously, and the criminally underrated main event of Edge versus Undertaker. I love that Edge versus Undertaker match. Um, after WrestleMania 24, I went on a five-year stretch, and then WrestleMania 29 was my last, uh, was the WrestleMania that I was at after that uh, at MetLife Stadium in the shadows of New York City. And I've been in attendance at every WrestleMania since WrestleMania 29. I've been at every WrestleMania in a professional capacity since WrestleMania uh, 33, 33, 30. yeah. So this would have been my fourth WrestleMania professionally. WrestleMania 33 was my first. That was back in Orlando, ironically enough. Uh, WrestleMania 34 was in New Orleans. WrestleMania 35, back to New York. And WrestleMania 36, it would have been my fourth WrestleMania that I worked at, and I guess 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, and, you know, my eighth WrestleMania in a row that I've attended. But you got, you know, super fans like Front Row Charlie that they did a YouTube show about last year, which is great, that he's been at every WrestleMania. This will be the first WrestleMania that he hasn't attended live, you know? And for everybody going, everybody that had plans to go to Tampa it's not only WrestleMania, it's Takeover, it's the Hall of Fame, it's the Raw After WrestleMania, it's Access, it's WrestleCon, it's all it's, you know, Bloodsport and all of the massive amounts of shows that were gonna be there live for for everybody to see. I mean, people already, I know, had had complete weekends planned out where every hour was gonna be filled with live wrestling. And it's not happening, and it's disappointing. And I get that. I get that it's disappointing but we're still getting WrestleMania somehow, some way in the middle of a global pandemic, when states, full states are getting locked down as we speak, the WWE has found a way where there's a will, there's a way to deliver us WrestleMania. And I believe they will deliver us a show that is memorable. I believe like any other show, they will deliver us a show with highlights and low lights. I don't think you should have your expectations through the roof. I don't think that this will be anything like watching WrestleMania in a stadium, but I think that the WWE is an organization. I think that the crew that is behind the WWE, and I think that the performers that will be in the ring are going to do everything in their power to give us something that we will remember. That they're going to do everything in their power to give us something memorable and to remind everybody that this is WrestleMania, and we get two nights of it. So I'm actually, the more I thought about it, the more I was excited. Obviously bummed out that, you know, being at WrestleMania, there's nothing like it. But I think for a lot of us, it's going to be cool to sit down. I think, for me, it's going to be cool to sit down in my living room and watch WrestleMania. I'm going to watch with my wife. Domino's Pizza has, like, contactless delivery or whatever. Now I'll figure out some way to get food without touching anybody. That's for sure. That's for damn sure. And I'm going to sit there and I'm going to watch the show that is too big for one night for the first time ever. (laughs) It is a big show. Okay. I, at one point said that like when they had announced like eight matches for it, I said, leave it at eight matches, do four matches a night and Bob's your uncle. They didn't listen to me. They said, no, we'll do 16 matches, thanks. Eight matches a night, one would imagine. Which is like incredible. But we'll see how they pull it off. The other thing is, we've gotten to a point in this uh, COVID-19 pandemic that has affected everybody across the world in some way, shape, or form. That I know for me in New York, I have gotten to the point where, and I'm I'm like a news guy. I watch the news every night. I watch the news all the time. It doesn't like I enjoy it. I think it's entertaining. You know, I I, I I like cable news. I'll watch CNN and then I'll watch Fox News and I'll see them saying two completely opposite things and and act. Everybody's sitting there acting like wrestling's fake and the news is just like ah journalistic integrity. That's giving it to us like it is. But even I. Who doesn't really get affected by all that, like, oh, I can't watch the news. It bums me out. I can't watch the news. It bums me out. I need an escape from all this. This is not a fun time anywhere in the world right now. The best thing that I can think of is the fact that there is going to be WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. That I'm going to be able to sit there and watch this two-night extravaganza and get away from everything that's going on in the world. I think it's great. I think it's a great service the WWE is providing us. I know I sound like a shill, but so be it. It's how I feel. And it's left me excited. I've been watching a lot of uh, older WrestleManias. I would, uh, I would implore that you do that. I would implore that you go in optimistically, not cynically, optimistically, and you go and you watch uh, the compilations that the WWE Network has put together. There's a ton of them. You know, you could watch full WrestleManias. You could watch WrestleMania 19. You could watch WrestleMania 17. Uh you could watch WrestleMania 20 WrestleMania 24 is a good one to watch. WrestleMania 30 uh three in Orlando is a really good one to watch. Um you know, there's a ton of them. You could go back. You could watch uh I, I'd say my favorite old school, old school WrestleMania. Um probably like WrestleMania. Pfft, 14 is fun if you're an Attitude Era fan. Uh, you know, seeing WrestleMania, WrestleMania 9 is an extravaganza. WrestleMania 8, the first WrestleMania, I think, that was in a in a stadium. I mean, they botched the ending something fierce, but there are a lot of great moments in WrestleMania 8. But watch the compilations. They have like the the 10 greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. They have the best title matches in the last 15 years. They have the best at Stone Cold at WrestleMania, the best at Triple H at WrestleMania. They have all these like compilations that are like four and five hours long. Cause all the matches are there in full. Watch them. Get in the spirit of things. Like and 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 don't watch with this feeling of, oh man, you know, it's not gonna be the same anymore. Oh, this is what I wanted and I'm not gonna get it. Watch it in, oh man, this is WrestleMania. Let's enjoy it together. And think about it this way. Think about the fact that Raw, specifically Raw, Raw has only gotten better since the first no-audience Raw. I believe there have been three Raw's without an audience, I want to say, and they've gotten progressively better as they've gone. And think about the Raw that happened on, on, on Monday. You had The Undertaker, look, The truth about The Undertaker is, you want to talk about fans being cynical? There is a huge, the whole Undertaker story, AJ Styles' whole attitude is based on wrestling fans that say that The Undertaker shouldn't be wrestling anymore, is based on cynical wrestling fans that all pop up for probably the last at least five years whenever it's announced that The Undertaker is going to have a match. The Undertaker delivered a promo on Raw that was the best thing that he's done in years. The best promo for sure that he's done in years. And that could have been hokey. That could have been really corny. With the tombstone and the smoke and everything. With the idea that we're kind of uh, skirting that line of, of kayfabe versus reality. Alan Jones, Mark Calloway. But I'm still in a room full of smoke and there's a tombstone behind me. But The Undertaker pulled it off. WWE pulled it off. It made me more more invested in that match. That promo. 100%. 100%. You know? It was great. It was fun to watch. I mean, look at the promos that Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins have done on Raw in the last two weeks. It's the two best promos that they've done in a year. Seth Rollins maybe even longer. I wouldn't have cared about Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins before all this happened. I wouldn't have cared at all. But now, now all of a sudden I care because of how good the promos were. There will be moments in this show that benefit from not having an audience. It's just true. There will be moments in the show that it completely takes away the fact that there's no audience, of course. But why sit there and think about the moments that won't be as good when we can think about the moments that will be better? Why not celebrate this thing that we're all watching as an escape? everybody's you know you you, you can't deal with reality. so why go to this world of fantasy and try to make it worse when you could be enjoying it? you know what I mean I want to go by and and just go match by match for what is actually a pretty decent WrestleMania card, in my opinion. And and we'll talk more about the promos that have been on Raw and SmackDown and the lead up to this thing as we go, match by match. I think that that's the way to do it. Um, So first matchup, and I think I kind of put these in order of what I'm looking forward to the most, um, is Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley. I think this one, you know, I don't know what, Bobby Lashley kind of expected when he came back to WWE, but I don't think it would make a lick of sense to have Bobby Lashley come even close to winning this match. I think that this is, this is simply an exhibition. This is a display for Aleister Black on the biggest show of the year. I think that this is, is not the most complicated match in the world. There's no backstory whatsoever to it. This is just, okay... We've been watching Aleister Black beat up enhancement talent on Raw. So let's go to WrestleMania and watch him beat up a pretty established guy. I think that's all it is, you know. And Alistair Black, his matches have been short. But his matches on Raw have been highlights. You know, he's been able to get his character over and put on compelling segments that are, you know, two to three minutes long, however long they are. And that's all they need to be. You know, the quiet works for a character like Alistair Black. It's okay. You don't need all the other stuff. So this match, I don't predict it going very long. Um, and I predict Alistair Black to have a dominant victory over Bobby Lashley. Um, you've got the uh tag team championship match that was just changed this week on Raw. So there were and we'll talk about this. There are matches on this show that may still be changed. You know, we're doing our March to WrestleMania show before SmackDown airs. Because you've got, you've got 22 hours between SmackDown and WrestleMania. WrestleMania, Saturday and Sunday, I believe they're both starting at 7 p.m. Eastern on the network. Um, and you've got a, a kickoff show before each one that I think start at 6. Which I won't be on either kickoff show, so I don't know who's going to watch them. But the Street Profits are now defending the Raw Tag Team Championship against Austin Theory. And uh, 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 Angel Garza, who will of course have Zelina Vega in their corner. Now, there's supposed to be Andrade and Angel Garza. Andrade injured his rib, so he was replaced at the last minute by Austin Theory. Not the biggest deal in the world because Angel Garza and Andrade were, you know, barely even a team before this, anyway. So I think this is another example of an exhibition of characters. This is just a let's have the good guys win at WrestleMania moment for the street profits. You know, I think that that's all it is, but I think it, it, it should be mentioned that I already thought this was a big deal. When I was like, Angel Garza is now getting a WrestleMania match. That's pretty big for somebody who started the year. I mean, he was on the NXT roster and just kind of without incident. Andrade went out for 30 days and uh, Angel Garza came in, picked up and, you know, impressed people enough that he's sticking around on raw. So first him having a WrestleMania match, I thought was a big deal, but a much bigger deal is the fact that Austin theory, who we just saw evolve, had a special on the WWE network, not too long ago. And that was the first time we saw him. We've seen him a handful of times in NXT, primarily losing matches. And, Now he's got a championship match at WrestleMania, a tag title match. I mean, that's a big deal for Austin Theory. You know, he's going to have a lot of eyes. Regardless of what you say about WrestleMania, in terms of WWE network views, there's going to be a lot of people that watch WrestleMania. You know, is it going to get the same numbers that like Raw gets? I don't know about all that, but you know, I people, this is why people have the network. And I think WWE has done a lot of advertising for WrestleMania this year. You know, they're not trying to bury it and say, okay, let's just get it done and, and keep it moving. They're trying to make a spectacle out of it. You know, Becky Lynch did a ton of press. She was on this podcast. I know Seth Rollins has done a ton of press. Triple H has done a ton of press. He was on uh, Robbie Barstool's podcast. He was on Pat McAfee's podcast. He was on uh, ESPN on Center. He was going to do this podcast, but I talked to him and he said, let's save it for when Primetime Wrestling starring Triple H and Sam Roberts debuts. I was like... Paul that's a good idea he said thanks Sam Call me Triple H I said okay you got it trips he said Triple H is fine I said you got it Mr Triple H so um I think that this is going to be street profits you know I I think that that you know I would probably say that maybe one night you open with Bobby Lashley versus Aleister Black the next night you open with Street profits versus um Angel Garza and Austin Theory Uh, But big step forward for Austin Theory for sure. Um, Baron Corbin versus Elias. This match was made, I guess, two weeks ago on SmackDown. Not a ton of backstory again, except that Baron Corbin is a bad guy and Elias is a good guy. Elias was singing his song. It annoyed Baron Corbin. So now they're going to fight. You know, I really think Baron Corbin needs this victory badly. You know, I don't think that when Elias, it was interesting because when Elias was a bad guy, he was like a main event level bad guy. Like, he wasn't world title contention, but he was top of the card bad guy, you know? He was, I mean, a year ago at WrestleMania, John Cena and him had a physical altercation. He was the one that was pegged, not to have a match, but to have a physical altercation with John Cena. So, you know, I I I think that, that he's certainly become more of an entertainment act now that he's a good guy. He hasn't won a huge number of matches. You know, he had some trouble getting his hands on the 24 seven championship. And since then has kind of abandoned any, uh, any hope whatsoever for Elias to beat Baron Corbin. I think it would really cement Baron Corbin's faith uh, fate as a guy and probably his faith in God too, but it would probably cement Baron Corbin's fate as somebody who's here to be a big, Credible bad guy who gets booed, but inevitably is going to lose every match to a good guy. And a guy like that, you can have him having matches with Elias, but you can't put him in the main event, you know. Baron Corbin just spent what feels like three years losing every week to Roman Reigns. So I think that, that it would serve him really well to go to WrestleMania this year and remind people that he is fully capable of also winning matches, especially against people like Elias. So for me, this should be all Baron Corbin. I still think that this match should be taking place in a concert venue or dress up some area of full sale like it's a concert venue or something. But an empty concert venue, I think, still think is the place for this match. But either way, no matter where it takes place, it should be all Baron Corbin top to bottom. Um, We'll go with the uh, Women's Tag Team Championship. You've got... Uh, the Kabuki Warriors versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, we haven't seen uh, Kylie Sane in quite a while, but all the internet rumor report websites are saying that she'll be there, so I, I'm sure she will. Um, you know, I mean, I, I like the Kabuki Warriors as women's tag team champions. I, I like the Kabuki Warriors. I think Asuka's new uh, mic work has been made Asuka even more interesting. You know, Asuka was in this spot where it was like for a year. First, Asuka turning heel was a very good thing because from the Royal Rumble of last year until the time that Asuka turned heel, she really didn't have a lot going on. And at some of that time, she was actually the SmackDown Women's Champion. But she really was background noise for most of last year. Becoming a villain. Teaming with Kydi Sane, bringing back the Green Mist, becoming this character, I think has done Asuka a world, a world of good. I think lately adding the, uh, the, the, the crazy talking to everything, you know, going over to the commentary booth, shouting in Japanese, love it. Love every time Asuka's on the screen. I've been a huge Asuka fan since NXT. So whatever we can add to Asuka to make it work better on the main roster, I'm in favor of. I think that everything has been working. Um, however, I think that it's been working so well that Asuka could probably, I think that Raw's women's division at this point could use the female star power. You know, I think having Asuka and Kyrie Sane as singles competitors in the Raw women's division is better for the Raw women's division than having them as a team, especially because nobody is competing for these women's tag team championships. I mean, you don't see women's tag team matches except when they defend the titles once every quarter. So, you know, I I don't think that the Kabuki Warriors having the title, if anything, it's better to have the Kabuki Warriors be a well-known team and not be the tag team champions because right now, the Kabuki Warriors being a known entity and being the champions leaves you with a grand total of one women's tag teams. If Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss were to win the tag championship, you would be cementing the two of them as a tandem. The Kabuki Warriors would still be a team. And now you got two tag teams, and we can build from there. Maybe the iconics could exist again. You'd have three tag teams, you know? You could kind of slowly start to build this thing back up. But I think that uh, I think that it is time for the Kabuki Warriors to lose those titles and to become bigger as single stars. And I think that it would certainly add a lot to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross to that whole act if they had those titles with them when they did Moment of Bliss and whatnot. um, It would remind everybody that they're wrestlers, not just, you know, talk show hosts. Um, And yeah, and I think that everybody would be happy because people like Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. So that's my pick for that tag match. Uh, Moving on, yeah, I I thought we missed one. You get the big grudge match, the match settled. uh, That's going to settle everything Dolph Ziegler, who will have Mandy Rose in his corner against Otis. Otis getting the big singles match at WrestleMania. Kind of a surprise to me. I figured that they would uh, they would keep encapsulating the tag teams. You know, in my mind, I had a SmackDown Tag Team Championship triple threat match in my head, which was Miz and Morrison versus Heavy Machinery versus Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziegler. And that would make it so that not only could heavy machinery and Otis get his revenge on Dolph, but they could leave tag team champions, which I think people would be really psyched about. Um, but that's not the case. Uh, look, I think that uh, I think that you have to have a lot of good guys winning at WrestleMania this year more than ever. Every WrestleMania you have a lot of good guys winning, right? That's what WrestleMania is. Um, but this year more than ever, it's got to number one, it's got to be a feel good WrestleMania, and number two realistically can we leave Wrestlemania thinking oh he'll get him next time when is next time going to be I don't know I don't even know if the state's open you know what I mean the weird time that we're in right now we don't know what wrestling looks like immediately after Wrestlemania so I don't think you could do a lot of cliffhangers I think you kind of got to at least short term settle what you're settling Um, I think Mandy Rose is hella popular. I think people... It's a thing. When you have somebody who's as attractive as Mandy Rose, there is this idea, well, we could make her a bad guy, and every guy that could never get a date with her will boo her, and every girl that could never look like her will boo her. It's like when Sable came out. She was like, you know, all the women want to be me, and all the men came to see me. And, you know, you're a bad guy, and you get booed. And that works. However... I think that people want to cheer Mandy Rose. I think also that that same psychology of fans want to boo Mandy Rose because they couldn't date her in high school. The reason they want to boo her is because they wanted to date her in high school and they want to believe that it gets better. They want to believe that there is this world where once we get out of high school, once we get into the real world, That somebody like me could date this knockout, could date this 10. And somebody like me is Otis. I think that you gotta have that feel-good moment. Look, people were invested. This storyline was going on at the same time as the Rusev, Lana, Bobby Lashley storyline. And aside from the wedding segment, which to me the wedding segment worked, and I really actually liked the wedding segment. But the storyline itself was a flop. People were much more invested in this storyline than they were in the Rusev-Lana-Lashley storyline because they wanted it to work. People want to see Otis and Mandy Rose as an on-screen couple. And I think that you gotta have the resolution here at WrestleMania. I think you gotta leave people going home happy. And I think you gotta have this moment where Mandy Rose maybe has this aha realization where she realizes that Dolph Ziegler is a scumbag and that Dolph was manipulating her the whole time. You know, we we get some clarification on maybe maybe her text or whatever was lost or whatever, you know, whatever happened. And I think that you got to have you got to have Mandy Rose turn on Dolph and side with Otis. And then I think the future of that is you can go to raw I love, so here's what I love. I really like the idea of going to SmackDown from this. And again, like we said, we don't know what short-term looks like. But in terms of story after this, I would have Mandy go with Otis, have the feel-good moment. We all feel great at home. You can only imagine. Can you imagine what that pop would be in Tampa in the stadium? If man, I mean, it would be like Macho and Liz at WrestleMania 7. If Mandy turned on Dolph, Otis beat Dolph, and then Mandy and Otis embrace and kiss in a stadium full of people, I mean, they would go- lose their minds they'd be so happy for Otis. It would be amazing. We can't have him kiss. We don't have an audience full of people. I get it. We can still have that moment where Otis and Mandy do come together as a union. And then I, I, I love the idea of Going forward, you know, Dolph now can't really compete with Otis because, you know, he's country strong. And having, uh, having uh, Sonia DeVille kick Otis in the face and finding out that Sonia DeVille is not Dolph Ziggler's girlfriend, is Dolph Ziggler's bodyguard. And you don't have to use the term bodyguard because it's been done before, but the idea of Sonia DeVille being Dolph Ziggler's muscle and then you've got the you've got the Mandy Rose and Sonya don't like each other. You've got Dolph Ziggler and Otis don't like each other. You got Dolph Ziggler as the chicken heel because he's got Sonya Deville as his uh, as his muscle. That's where I would go with it. But in order to get there, we got to start with Otis and Mandy together once and for all. Uh moving on, you got your uh five pack challenge. Somebody drank one of the cans already, but we're still going into WrestleMania with a five pack. You've got Bailey defending the title. I think this is an elimination 5-pack against Tamina, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Lacey Evans. Um good for Tamina getting that WrestleMania spot. Uh I think that eventually Naomi needs to be SmackDown Women's Champion again. I think Naomi is definitely Naomi's Naomi's by definitely the most popular woman on SmackDown. And I mean you know, I, I think that she's got the potential to be even bigger. I, I, I think, you know, there's a so much upside to Naomi. I think that that she could be that mainstream women's champion on SmackDown. However, I don't think that wrestle that this match is the time to do it. I think that this match is very simply, um, Tamina gets eliminated early. Uh Naomi gets eliminated because Sasha Banks and Bailey are double teaming her. Uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey are double teaming Lacey Evans, only for her to have Sasha Banks kick Bailey in the head. What? Lacey Evans pins Bailey. So you have that moment where Bailey just looks at Sasha, and Lacey looks at Sasha, and Lacey looks at Bailey, and when Lacey looks at Bailey, Sasha sneak attacks Lacey Evans, gets the pin on her. Sasha Banks walks out SmackDown Women's Champion. She's turned on Bailey, And we can go forward with Bailey versus Sasha Banks. Um, I think Sasha Banks should be SmackDown Women's Champion. Um, I think that, that Sasha Banks is really good as a heel. But she shouldn't have friends if she's going to be a heel. And, you know, I think that people are really waiting for that. People are waiting to have a Sasha banks Bailey main roster rivalry that they can actually sink their teeth into and this is one that you could tell that story. I mean, you know, I've harkened back before to take over Brooklyn 1 and the match that Bailey and Sasha Banks put on. I think if you've got a good guy Bailey who is not a cartoon, who is not a side ponytail hugger, who is just Bailey and a bad guy Sasha Banks, I think you're into something. And then after that, I think it's the time where we bring Naomi in to do this, you know. Um but yeah, I mean, I would I would have this match designed specifically for the Sasha Banks and Bayley tandem to collapse. Uh, moving on, you got the SmackDown Tag Team Championship Triple Threat Ladder Match, which I don't really want to get too deep into because every dirt sheet website is saying that this match ain't happening as it is. You know, that, it, they, they, that it'll be changed. It'll be either a singles match or some kind of other Triple Threat match. But the that match, as we see it, apparently is not going to happen. You know, I think it could be a moment for Kofi to have another moment of glory, but he hasn't had a moment of glory since October when he lost to Brock Lesnar. So, you know, I mean, I feel like we've seen the New Day and we've seen the Usos as tag team champions a million times. And I feel like at this point, if you were to take the tag titles off the Miz and Morrison, they didn't—they haven't done anything as tag champions. So this whole title reign will have been a a pointless endeavor if you take the titles off Miz and Morrison at WrestleMania. So we'll see. I mean, again, it's all completely up in the air since apparently this match, as it looks, isn't happening. But I don't know. I don't know for sure. And I wouldn't be surprised, by the way, if there are a lot of changes in what we saw. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot that gets uh, mixed up as we go. Who knows? Who knows? No spoilers have really gotten out other than the changes here. And I think the changes that did get out were probably leaked on purpose, so. Um, And I say that because none of the results are out. Uh, You've got the Intercontinental Championship match, Daniel Bryan versus Sami Zayn. I love the way this thing has been built. This is the match that I, uh, one of the matches that I have uh, pure faith in can still be great in an empty building. Um, I think this should be happening on a grappling mat, as I've said before on the podcast, uh, in in a gym somewhere. Uh, But it's not. Uh, However, I do think that uh, you've got Drew Gulak uh, in the corner of Daniel Bryan, but in the corner of Sami Zayn, of course, Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Uh, I think this is one of them that the bad guy should win. Uh, I think that that Sami Zayn losing the Intercontinental title right now would probably fall in line with what I said about Miz and Morrison. You know, Uh, it would feel very uh, uh, transitional champion to have Sami Zayn lose the title. Look, you know, it has never fully been settled why Braun Strowman lost the Intercontinental title to begin with. The reign was very short. Um, And then to have that story kind of taper out and be replaced with this one, if Sami Zayn were to lose that title, you know, you had a, a nice reign with Shinsuke Nakamura, but you had a very quick reign with Braun Strowman. If you then followed that up with a very quick Sami Zayn reign, you start to lose track of even who's Intercontinental Champion, you know? I think that Sami Zayn being the Intercontinental Champion adds a lot to the Shinsuke Nakamura, Cesaro-Sami Zayn package. I think it adds a lot to Sami Zayn as a performer, and I think that he should keep the title. I don't think Daniel Bryan stands to benefit whatsoever from having the Intercontinental Championship. You know, I I think that if you announce tomorrow that Daniel Bryan is actually not going to be in this match, he'll be in the Universal title match with Goldberg, Everybody'd be like, "Yep," and I hope he wins. You know, I don't. I think at this point in his career, Daniel Bryan is kind of above titles and whatnot. I don't. I don't think it matters. So, I think this should be Sami Zayn. I think he should cheat to win. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think that that's what makes sense to me. Moving on, this match is a match that I think so far has and will continue to benefit in an empty building. And I'm telling you right now, I know, I know, I don't think, I know that if this match were happening in a stadium and the promos leading up to this match had happened in arenas with an audience, I would not care about this match whatsoever. I did not care about this storyline before we were seeing, I I didn't care about this storyline before this match was announced. This match was one of the matches announced after the full sale. Uh, the uh, performance center shows started. Um, I didn't care about the story. I cared about it at the very beginning when Seth first turned heel and he was revealed in the van, but all those multi-person tag matches, all the confrontations that they had, I just didn't care. I care about Seth Rollins as a character. I somewhat cared about Kevin Owens as a good guy character, but I did not care about this match. I started caring about this match one week ago Monday when Seth Rollins delivered the promo of a lifetime when he said that Kevin Owens is a failure at WrestleMania and all he does is shine and have moments there. And then I doubled down and cared even more when I heard Kevin Owens' promo on Raw this week when Kevin Owens was breaking down exactly who Seth Rollins was and Kevin Owens was breaking down you know the, what the what the what the feeling on Seth Rollins was before you know when the performance center first started you know and 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 the history that has been built into this match I don't think that history would be able to build into this match if we were being distracted by fans saying what you know I just think this is one of those stories that benefited greatly from no fans being in the audience and I think because of that, the story of this match will be better without an audience. I have 100% faith in these two to be able to pull off an empty building match. Um, And yeah, yeah. And I, and, and I think that this is, you know, it's got, of course, it's got to be all Kevin Owens, right? Like, you know, you can't go on television and say Kevin Owens is a WrestleMania Mania failure and then have him fail at WrestleMania. I mean, I guess you can because then he actually is a failure and you weren't lying. So I guess you could. But I think we've put Kevin Owens into this position where he he needs to win, and he should win, you know? Um, I don't think Seth Rollins is moving on to face, you know... Well, I mean, I guess if Drew McIntyre were to win the WWE championship, I guess Seth Rollins could be the next guy. But I don't think people want to see Seth Rollins in a title match right now. You know, I don't think people were thrilled with him as the universal champion. So I don't think that there's an eagerness to see him competing for the WWE championship right now. Um, And because of that, I think it would be safe for him to lose this match. And, you know, I think Kevin Owens could probably use the boost. So all Kevin Owens and I'm uh, I'm anticipating the match. I'm also anticipating this one. You know, I think that uh, at this point in the Undertaker's career, a street fight is good for him. I think that uh AJ Styles can pull off any match at any time. He's one of the greatest. Uh like I said, you know, AJ's promo kind of was what it was last week. But this week the Undertaker's promo was killer. It was awesome. Um and you know, I think that, that people people say, Oh, well then this is gonna be the American Badass Undertaker, not the dead man Undertaker. But I think there's this other version of The Undertaker. I think there's this version of The Undertaker. Keep in mind there have been so many versions of The Undertaker besides American Badass Undertaker. There's Ministry of Darkness Undertaker. There was Corporate Ministry Undertaker. There was uh, kind of like Deadwood looking Undertaker when he first came back at WrestleMania 20. There was uh MMA Undertaker when he dropped the leather pants and started wearing tights and a tank top and and MMA gloves. There's uh uh Purple gloves good guy undertaker, there's gray gloves bad guy undertaker. There's uh leather daddy survivor series 96 undertaker. There's a ton of different evolutions of the undertaker character. Uh, and I think that we're going to see just another evolution of it at WrestleMania in this boneyard match. I think that it's going to be just a a more human version of the dead man. It's in a boneyard, which I'm imagining is a cemetery. There was a tombstone on Raw. So I took that to mean a boneyard and a cemetery are basically the same thing. Uh, but I don't know for sure. Um, so I'm interested to see what it is. And I wonder, too, I I, I wonder if they'll film it uh, cinematically. You know, I wonder if this will look more like a movie than a match. I don't think that would be the worst idea in the world. I think that if you're ever going to be experimental with stuff like this, now is the time. Uh, I think that there's no doubt that The Undertaker should win this match. Uh, I don't think that AJ Styles, uh, it detracts from him really to lose to the Undertaker at this point. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think if you're going to beat the Undertaker, it should feel like it's at least an attempt at making your career. So far two at WrestleMania, two guys have beaten the Undertaker at WrestleMania. One of them is Brock Lesnar. That made him. One of them is Roman Reigns. And that was at least an attempt to make him. So, you know, I don't think that AJ Styles is in that type of a position. So, you know, I don't think that there's any reason for AJ Styles to win that match at WrestleMania. You got uh, Raw Women's Championship on the line, Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler. All week, I've been going back and forth with this man. I mean, if you really want Shayna Baszler to look like a monster, she should win. However, and... You know, Becky Lynch on our podcast on Monday made it seem like she wasn't main eventing. She also made it, I think she said on another interview that she thinks this match is happening on Saturday. We know that Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins match is happening on Saturday because Kevin Owens mentioned it. That's all we know right now in terms of scheduling. But I would imagine that this match isn't going on last. You know, I, I don't think you could justify this match going on last either night there's enough main events i mean you know on a on, with 16 announced matches i put this at number 11 there's five matches that i put above this one at least and you could and i mean i was being generous i think you could easily argue that the undertaker aj styles match is above this one too so that would be six um i think that uh i think that you want if you're going on last Of course, Becky has to win because you're going to end WrestleMania either night with Shayna Baszler holding the Raw Women's Championship. But the fact that this match probably is not going on last would lead me to believe that there is much more of a chance for Shayna Baszler to win the Raw Women's Championship. I think the way Shayna Baszler has been displayed, you know, let's keep in mind, Paul Heyman is running Raw. Paul Heyman is uh, uh, responsible for a lot of uh, the portrayal of Brock Lesnar, shall we say, Um, and what made Brock Lesnar, and I think he might see a lot of that in Shayna Baszler as well. Brock Lesnar doesn't lose much. I would imagine maybe Shayna Baszler won't lose much. So the idea of Shayna Baszler ending Becky Lynch's year-long Raw Women's title reign, you know, that she won at WrestleMania 35 only to lose it at WrestleMania 36, like, I think that's very possible, but at the same time, if Shayna Baszler beats Becky Lynch All that's left is for Becky Lynch to get a rematch and beat Shayna Baszler and win the title back. If Becky Lynch were to win and just barely squeak by, Shayna Baszler can come back. Shayna Baszler can go on another streak of beating everybody and then come back and beat Becky Lynch. I actually think that long-term, it will benefit Shayna Baszler more if she loses to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, just barely loses to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. Maybe she has Becky in a submission. And then Becky, like, rolls on top of her and gets to pin her. You know what I mean? It should be one of those losses, like uh, Brock Lesnar's first UFC fight against Frank Mir, where uh, Brock lost the match. He tapped out. But he was really impressive leading up to the tap out. And the only reason that he tapped out was because it was his first fight and he pulled a move where he just had his foot placed poorly and it was a move of inexperience. And people kind of forgave it and said, yeah, but he was still way better than I thought he would be. Frank Mir was on the ground when that happened. Um, and I think that that's kind of the vibe. I think you want a, a Frank Mir, Becky Lynch here. I think that you want to leave this match going like, I mean, Becky Lynch is still the champion, but Shayna Baszler is going to be a real problem for a lot of people. That's how I would I, I would see this one ending. Um, you got The Fiend, Bray Wyatt versus John Cena inside the Firefly Funhouse. not. Not the venue that I would put it in. I would keep it in the ring and keep it serious. Um, But still, I'm really looking forward to this match. And that's one I think that will be theatrical. You know, there's so much creativity in all of the Fiend stuff. And John Cena is smart enough to not, probably not put himself in something that looks hokey. So my expectations are still definitely high for this match. Um, I think things could change on SmackDown because you're going to have a confrontation. John Cena will be on SmackDown. So this may evolve, and my opinions my opinions of it may shift, but they're already high, uh, and I think that this is absolutely the spot for The Fiend to kind of make up for anything that he lost by losing the Universal Championship, you know? I think they've done a great job of not mentioning The Fiend was ever Universal Champion, I think they've done a great job of never mentioning the fact that Goldberg beat him. It's the thing that I said they should do from the beginning. It's what they're doing because they listen to yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Scoops Roberts. Um, so, yeah, I think that this is going to be all fiend. You know, I think that, I i, I mean, I don't think he will be just like, you know, destroy him. But I think the fiend will definitely win. I think he needs to win. You know, I think that, that, that this is Bray's make good. This is that moment. I mean, to this day, literally on Raw, Paul Heyman brought up the fact that Brock Lesnar beat Hulk Hogan on that one episode of SmackDown. But for the rest of Brock Lesnar's career, he beat Hulk Hogan. That's on his list. I think that this is what Bray needs. Bray needs to be able to say, I beat John Cena. You know, I beat Seth Rollins. I beat John Cena. I beat this guy. I beat that guy. That's what we need to be able to say about The Fiend, and John Cena needs to be on that list. So, um, But my expectations are high for them being able to pull this one off. Charlotte versus Rhea Ripley. NXT Championship is on the line. Uh, I think that this is going to be the women's match that steals the show. Um, you know, I think the five-pack challenge, well, I don't think it'll be bad, but it'll just be what it is. Uh, I think... I think Becky versus Shayna will be good, but I think Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte will be the one that people leave talking about. And I think that Charlotte needs to leave WrestleMania, the NXT Women's Champion. I know that logic would dictate that Charlotte here is being used to put over the new talent, which is the most valuable way to use Charlotte, that Rhea Ripley is the future. She's like 23 years old. The fans love her. Her matches are great. Obviously, we should bring her to WrestleMania so she shines. If she wins, it shines on all of NXT, and that's what we need to do. Uh, However, and I talked about this on Monday on the podcast. um, I really think that this needs to be about Charlotte. Charlotte. To me, I mean, I guess she she won the women's championship at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas. But since WrestleMania 32, this is how Charlotte's been used. Even last year, WrestleMania 35, Charlotte was really used as a person. I mean, that was her role. She was a heel because it was like, well, Charlotte, It's it's almost like she's too good. She's the John Cena of this thing. But for some reason with Charlotte, they don't have the same thing that they have with John Cena or with Roman Reigns where it's like, no, they don't lose. Um, and they're not going to turn heel. Charlotte will turn heel, will turn face on the drop of a dime, and she loses all the time. There's something about that flair DNA. Because it's in the flair DNA that a flair, except maybe not David so much, but of Charlotte flair and Rick flair, because they can lose and they're so good that it doesn't matter, they end up losing all the time. And I don't think that that's something that should be taken advantage of. It makes me feel like people are being taken for granted. And I feel like Charlotte losing this match is taking Charlotte for granted. Um, I think Charlotte won the Royal Rumble. I think she should win the NXT Women's Championship. I think that that Charlotte winning the NXT Women's Championship and then going to NXT with it puts more eyes on NXT than Rhea Ripley having a great match at WrestleMania and then bringing the title back to NXT. I think on Wednesday, when we're watching an NXT six-way women's ladder match, and we know that the winner is going to fight Charlotte at some point for that NXT Women's Championship, I think it creates an entirely new dynamic. I think that Charlotte, you know, we were talking about Shayna Baszler being booked like Brock Lesnar. I think Charlotte can be the women's Brock Lesnar of the NXT brand. I think that Charlotte, can be somebody who takes the NXT women's title hostage. Charlotte can be an enemy of the entire roster. And you can sit there and you can have, you know, Bianca Belair's got a problem with Charlotte. If Rhea Ripley loses to Charlotte, Rhea Ripley's got a problem with Charlotte. Let's say Bianca doesn't win the ladder match. Let's say somebody else wins the ladder match. Um, could be anybody. Let's say Tegan Knox wins the ladder match. Now Tegan Knox could have a problem with Charlotte. You know what I mean? You've got You've got a lot built in that people would really care about and every match that Charlotte had on NXT would be a big deal. So, I think that there is actually more upside and Rhea Ripley can get it back. Rhea Ripley can get that win back. This isn't this wouldn't be a burial of Rhea Ripley. You know, this wouldn't be the end of Rhea by any stretch of the imagination, especially if the match was really good. You know, do I think that Charlotte is going to win? I don't I I can't say that I think Charlotte is going to win, but I think Charlotte should win. I think that that would make for a more interesting NXT and WWE, quite frankly. And then she's, she's still a Raw athlete. She's showing up on Raw every week with the NXT Women's Championship. That's just a commercial for Wednesday nights on the USA Network, which I think is a pretty valuable thing to do with your uh, Monday Night Raw TV time. We move on to the match that I believe will steal the show at WrestleMania. We move on to the match that I've said before and I will say again, will be better in an empty arena than it would have been in a stadium. We move on to Edge versus Randy Orton, last man standing. This is not going to be a match. This is going to be a movie. This is going to be something that people talk about for years to come. We can talk about this WrestleMania and how our expectations are low, And how there's no audience. And how it's not going to be the same. Mark my words. Edge versus Randy Orton. Last man standing. WrestleMania 36. Will be on WrestleMania highlight reels. For the rest of eternity. We'll be looking at Rock Austin. We'll be looking at Rock Hogan. We'll be looking at Lesnar angle. We will be looking. Outside of a stadium. Into an empty building. At Edge versus Randy Orton. I am not convinced, by the way, if you told Edge versus Randy Orton last man standing in a stadium is not guaranteed to be on best of WrestleMania compilations for the rest of time by any stretch of the imagination. No, it is not. Edge, Randy Orton, last man standing, empty performance center, I guarantee that match will be on WrestleMania Best of Reels forever. It's going to be the best match on the show. And it is going to be better without an audience. The promos that these two have had, this match was already, it was already the best built match going into WrestleMania. The promos got 2,000 times better when the people went home when this thing actually got personal, Randy Orton had already RKO'd Beth Phoenix. Edge had already come back and said, hey, I am super pissed that you RKO'd my wife. But it didn't feel real. It didn't feel personal until the audience went home and Edge talked directly to camera. And then just when we thought that was a one-time thing, Randy comes back the next week and, I mean, reminds the world with a promo, not even a match, with a promo. Reminds the world, oh, yeah, you know how I've been around all this time? You must have forgotten. I'm one of the best to ever do this. And then Edge comes back with that backstage promo on Raw this week, and you go, oh, my God. I thought I couldn't be more into this match. And I am. The wrestling world, the WWE universe, talks about their disgust for part-timers. Brock Lesnar is a heel because he is a part-timer. But there is so much care about this Edge-Randy Orton story that it doesn't even matter that Edge returned at the Royal Rumble and hasn't wrestled since. And I've seen criticisms about my opinion that Edge versus Randy Orton will be better in an empty building than it will be in a stadium. And that criticism is, well, you're not going to get the pop. How would you ever say that's better when this is going to be Edge's return match at WrestleMania and the moment would have been the pop? That's my whole point, you moron. If Edge versus Randy Orton took place in a stadium, the match would have been about the pop. The match would have been about Edge's entrance. The match would have been about how excited everyone was to see Edge. When the Hardy Boys came back to WrestleMania, do you even remember who they fought? Do you even remember? Can you name every team that was in that ladder match? That match was about the pop. That The Hardy Boys returning at WrestleMania 34 or 33 in Orlando was about the moment, was about the fans realizing that the Hardy Boys were there. It was about the first couple beats of that song, boo-doo, 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 and the fans losing their minds. That's all it was about. Edge versus Randy Orton in a stadium. The biggest moment of that match is... You think you know me. (laughs) On this day. Yeah! Edge versus Randy Orton in an empty building. It's not about Edge's return. It's not about people are excited to see Edge. It's not about Randy, you know, being at a different level. It's about the match. It's about the story. We've now gotten rid of all the nonsense. And we're ready for two of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time to tell one of the best stories that WrestleMania has had in years. And that is going to happen because, not in spite of, because it's in an empty building. The best thing that ever happened to Edge and Randy Orton is that WrestleMania was moved to the Performance Center. You could say I'm crazy. You could be mad because I called you a moron a minute ago and I apologize for that. But I'm not wrong. I'm not. And I believe that you will see that either on Saturday or Sunday, probably Sunday, because this is going to be the best match of WrestleMania. And this is going to go next year when the WWE Network puts out another compilation of the best however many matches from WrestleMania history. This is the one match from this show that will be on it. My opinion. Okay, next ball up. We've got our two, and the only reason this that match wasn't number one is because as a traditionalist, I put the two title matches as the number one and two matches um, for WrestleMania this year. Uh, universal title match, Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Match not happening. Um, I'm not telling tales out of school here. I'm not reading rumor reports. I just follow Roman Reigns on Instagram. Roman Reigns made it clear he is not performing at WrestleMania this year. Um, health concerns, you know? Roman Reigns is immunocompromised. Anybody that is not sympathetic to what Roman Reigns is going through, anybody that's sitting there going like, if you cheered Roman Reigns when he came back from cancer and you are not okay with the fact that he decided, uh, I'm not performing at WrestleMania in the middle of a pandemic that strikes people who have compromised immune systems, then you're a dickhead. You are. I am... Totally, I believe Roman Reigns is totally within his right to not do this show. Um, I'm bummed for Roman's sake. I would rather see him win the Universal Championship this way against Goldberg, but it is what it is. You know, I'm not anyway about it. There are rumors going around as to who's going to replace uh, Roman Reigns. Some people on the internet think that it's uh, Braun Strowman. Others, you know, who knows? Nobody knows. I don't know for sure. Maybe some people know for sure. I don't know for sure. Um, But I think if it's Braun Strowman, I think he should beat Goldberg. I think whoever it is should beat Goldberg for the Universal Championship. Um, And if it is Braun Strowman, I think that, that that makes a hell of a compelling story, you know, that you can have Roman Reigns come back at SummerSlam or whenever we're out of this mess and get his title match against Braun Strowman. And maybe Braun Strowman turns heel. Maybe he makes Roman work for it. You know, who knows what the way they pull that off. Or maybe they do good guy versus good guy. Who knows? But uh, Braun Strowman is actually owed a, a championship title run, in my opinion. Anyway, um, so but even if it wasn't Braun, whoever it is, I hope he beats Goldberg. Um, and I think we'll surely find out who it is on SmackDown. You know, people think it's a little weird that they didn't announce immediately. Well, Roman Reigns is out of WrestleMania, but like, it's storytelling, guys. Like, why don't we take a beat and let WWE? Tell their story here. You know? Well, it's false advertising. Well, you know, you have the network already, so relax. You know, I think that that we'll we'll probably find out on Friday who Roman Reigns replacement is going to be, and I think that we should just let WWE tell their story. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, And the last match, the main event, is Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, Paul Heyman delivered a hell of a promo. To close raw, bringing up the go home show. A little bit of breaking of the fourth wall. Lots of fourth wall breaking. Uh, Edge and Orton. Edge and Orton aren't really breaking the fourth wall. AJ and Undertaker are breaking the fourth wall. Paul Heyman breaking the fourth wall a little bit. Um, but, you know, this is a really interesting one because in a stadium, like there's not even a conversation here in a stadium. Clearly this is Drew McIntyre's match that you like, you wouldn't even, if you're going to sit, if I had somebody on this podcast that wanted to debate me and say, well, I don't know, you know, what if Brock Lesnar, then that's like, I don't even want to like, this is stupid. I don't want to have this podcast. I mean, Brock Lesnar is the quintessential character to never, you can never count him out, but it, you know, of course, Drew McIntyre should beat Brock Lesnar in a stadium. Here's the question. Should Drew McIntyre beat Brock Lesnar in an empty building? Should WrestleMania go out with Drew McIntyre holding up the title even though there's no fans in the building? I thought about it over the week, and I'm going to tell you the truth. On Monday, I thought Brock Lesnar should keep the title. But today, I feel differently. Today, I feel like, let's do it. If we're going to do it, let's do it. And let's let's do it artistically. Let's have the commentators working their asses off to make to, to sell us on this match. You know, let's let's have Lesnar and Drew do what they do and let's let's end WrestleMania 36 on a good note and let's have Drew McIntyre win the title. I I'd say I say just put it on him. You know, I think even without the pop, you can still make it work. Um I think that you have a choice here. You can either if Brock Lesnar wins the match. I feel like you're letting WrestleMania be a placeholder and just delaying the inevitable shining moment for Drew McIntyre. I think if Drew McIntyre wins the title, then you're saying, look, say what you want about this. But this is WrestleMania. This is the real deal. This is the real WrestleMania. And Drew McIntyre just won the title. Um, You know, I think it's Drew's time. And as we get closer to WrestleMania, I say put the title on Drew. It doesn't ruin Paul Heyman's uh, spoiler prediction thing because what he said on Raw was that Brock Lesnar would have the title going into WrestleMania next year. You know, he could win the title next February and still go into WrestleMania as the champion next year. Um, so yeah, so I think, uh, I think Drew McIntyre walks out of WrestleMania WWE champion. I think that that's the way to go. And that's the way I'm going, man. I am I am optimistic about WrestleMania. I am looking forward to this weekend. I am looking forward to escaping news about a global pandemic for two nights and just enjoying the show that WWE is putting on for me. I'm going to eat bad food. I'm going to drink soda pop. I'm going to watch WrestleMania on the WWE Network. And I'm going to have a good time doing it. You know? I think it'll be great. I think it'll be great. Um, now, normally, as I said, this Thursday show is a Patreon exclusive show. If you want to sign up at Patreon.com/slash/NotSamWrestling, it's less than a dollar a week, um, and you can get uh, full access to every audio show that we put out. We also have different tiers where there's, uh, you know, there's merchandise, there's all kinds of stuff. Not Sam truck line jacket, um, but we also we put out all the video first on Patreon, and you can watch all these podcasts live if you're not Sam show. So everybody that's uh, on Patreon was able to watch this show live as I recorded it. Well, not everybody, but everybody that's signed up on the right tier. Um, And uh, because you not Sam shills usually get the exclusive Thursday, not Sam Thursday, every Thursday, I will this weekend uh, do probably multiple WrestleMania podcasts. I probably, maybe I'll do a WrestleMania pre-show with every, anything that changes uh, on Saturday um, maybe I'll do a watch along if you guys are into it. Um, uh, maybe I'll do uh uh post shows right after WrestleMania. Um, I don't know, but I will be doing exclusive Patreon content all weekend for WrestleMania. And of course, whatever you guys think would be a good idea, um, I'll be in the Discord room talking to all you guys. Of course, you only get access to Discord if you are a not Sam show. Um I'm just making sure in the Discord room now that I'm not missing any questions from you guys, but I think I pretty much covered everything. Um, all right, guys. I appreciate everybody tuning in. I am looking forward to WrestleMania. I hope that you are too, and we will talk again here on Not Sam Wrestling with a thorough WrestleMania recap. First thing, Monday morning. Until then, goodbye, everybody. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been NotSam Wrestling.